0: 4850 The following program is sponsored by Grace Church, Dumfries, Virginia Every good leader must ask themselves, am I doing the most I can to make the greatest impact I can? your church, business, and even our homes will rise and fall on leadership. So join the Renaissance Leadership Network at the 2017 Relevance Conference from November 16th through the 19th at Grace Church in Dumfries, Virginia. Learn how to stay in demand and maximize your influence as a leader. This dynamic conference will include daytime workshops and special evening sessions with world-class speakers and influencers, including Dr. Derek Greer, Dr. A.R. Bernard, Dr. Mike Freeman, pastor john jenkins pastor Dwayne freeman and more the conference cost is minimal with daily rates and even an early registration discount don't miss it register today at rlnleadership.com relevance that's rlnleadership.com relevance bring your leadership team with you and get ready to grow
1: Tomorrow can be bigger. Just grow, let the word overflow. In. Live a life bigger than yourself. You're created
2: for greatness. Live a life bigger than yourself. Welcome to Live Big with Dr. Derek Greer. We're glad you decided to join us today. Remember, you can get access to this message and a full library of teaching from Dr. Greer at gracechurchva.org. As we dive deep into the Word of God, we believe that it changes us and empowers us to think big, do big, and live big. This type of living will not only impact our lives, but will inevitably bless others. So our hope is that this broadcast inspires you to live big. Here's Dr. Greer.
1: Amen. We're going to begin in 2 Chronicles 16 and verse 9. I'm going to read it very quickly, and then we're going to go to our place of emphasis. One thing that distinguishes grace is that we are a word church, if you will. Uh, We really focus on the word, emphasize the word, and we make sure we're getting our marching orders from the word of God. So we're going to be true to that today, cover a lot of ground, but you will be blessed for the hearing. Amen? Amen? All right. 2 Chronicles 16 and 9. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth. The imagery here is of an attentive and pursuing God. His eyes are looking, you know, up every valley, up, down every valley, up every hill, you know, over the oceans. He's looking, uh, passionately pursuing individuals that he can show himself strong in. It says, for the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen, other translations say to show him strong, Those who whose hearts are fully or what fully or what fully or what fully committed to him. What's the promise that God wants to show himself strong or he wants to strengthen you? That's the promise. But what's the condition? Yeah. Full commitment. We could preach the promise. I'd make everyone happy. Everyone would be excited. I'm sure I'd see you next week. But if I don't preach the condition, I become false. All that happens is you get excited and uh, you go home and you don't have real results. So I must not only preach the promise, but what the premise or the condition. Are you with me? Malachi chapter one. And uh, we'll begin with verse one. I have never in the history of my ministry preached from this passage of scripture before. The reason you're here today is because you're ready to hear this. This is a word in season for you. It's not for the person next to you. So keep that in mind. Malachi literally means in Hebrew, my messenger. So this is the last prophetic messenger before John the Baptist comes on the scene, proclaiming that one greater than him whose sandals he couldn't even carry was going to come behind him. He begins in verse one by saying an oracle. He emphasizes authority here. This is not his opinion. This is not something that a committee or particular denomination came up with. This is the word of the Lord to Israel through who Malachi, the messenger. Now he begins by saying, I have what loved you. God's message begins with his passion and compassion. He wants us to know, and we're not going to spend a lot of time here. Even before he begins dealing with issues, he wants you to know his motivation is what love. Okay. So. I mean, you can almost hear him choking him. I love you at this point. Then he doesn't say it directly, but he, he, he says, you know, he says Esau, I'm sorry, Jacob, I love Esau, I hated. it. He's saying, in effect, I chose you over every other nation. I love you guys. So hear my motivation, hear my heart as I begin to unpack the things that the Lord has shared with me. Move down to verse 6. Now the prophet lifts his face and he gets right in the middle the chest, of the people of Israel. He says a son honors, recognizes credits and bows to his father. You see, there's something written on a child's heart. It wasn't written with ink. It doesn't require formal training, but written on a child's heart is the desire to honor his parents. The law written on stone was first written in hearts. In fact, when you read the writings of the New Testament, you'll discover that it was never really God's ultimate intention to write the law on stones. Matter of fact, he spoke of the new covenant in Jeremiah. He said, listen, this covenant, I'm going to write on your heart. So the only reason he had to write it down was because people stopped listening to their heart and their conscience. And today, many of our kids are watching so much television, their consciences are being dulled and all mixed up and messed up. And they're not doing what their natural conscience would tell them to do in terms of honoring their parents. But but here he's saying that in, in In a situation, just in the family life, as as a a son honors his father, and it doesn't require formal training. It doesn't require a long sermon. It doesn't require messages, but it gets done. Then he goes on in another parallel, and as a servant, his master. In other words, I'm using an application from the home, and, and next I'm going to use an application just from everyday living. An employee yields to an employer. Many of us have outgrown, you know, mom and dad relationships, but for the rest of us, most of us have employers. So if you can't understand that, please understand this. He says, if I am a father, where is the honor? Do me. We say our father which art in heaven. We say our father. But he says, if I am a father, why do I have to preach yet another sermon? Why does it have to be even further training? Because the spirit of God is already written in your heart. Honor your mother and father. This is the first commandment with what? Promise. You're looking at me blank, but are you pulling with me? All right. I'm doing my job today, okay? As a, a son honors his father and a servant is master. If I am a father, where is the honor due me? You give me a title, you wear the t-shirt. But where is the consideration? You say, I know the Bible says, but me thinks. I'm sorry, that's British. (laughs) The Bible says, but I think. My denomination thinks, my mom and dad thinks, my group thinks. My race thinks, my party thinks. I know what God says, but I think. Where is my honor, God says. I am God. Beside me, there's none other. What matters what you think? I'm God. I measured the the mountains in the palm of my hand. The ocean's in a span. I'm matchless. But you say to me, you think. God says, where is my honor? Pastor, are you preaching what you think? Or are you proclaiming the word of the living God? Amen. Are you hearing me? Yes. He says, "If I am a master, where is my respect?" This is God's heart as He looks at His people. Says the Lord, "Who Almighty?" He says, "If anyone deserves it's me, I'm not Lord Itty Bitty. I'm Lord Almighty." And he looks at his people and he says, where's my honor? Where's my respect? You call me by name. You wear a title Christian, but, but I don't see it in your lifestyle and behavior. Are you hearing me? He begins by saying, I love you. Because I love you, I need to chasten you. and I need to go on and say some things that will clean you up and correct you for the days ahead. Let me ask you, if you're a principal of a high school, in one of your classrooms, you're hearing a lot of noise, and there's yelling that gets all the way down to your office, who do you speak to about the problem? The teacher, teacher. yeah. You go to the one in authority to address the problem. Now, you know, sometimes it may not be your fault, but it's still your responsibility. That's right. That's good. That's good. That's one of the things Lead. all of us are leaders. If you influence one person in your life, you're a leader. So I'm not speaking to a special class, I'm speaking to each of us in here. Many times when God comes to bring vision or clarity, or, or sometimes even correct, the first thing it's not my fault, it's not my God said it's not about fault. It's about responsibility. America's not my fault. But it's my responsibility. He told me, he gave me the keys to the kingdom. What I bind on earth shall be bound. What I loose shall be loose. So... When Daniel prays for his nation, he begins to to pray as if it's his own fault, but it's really not his fault, it's his responsibility. And because he accepts responsibility, he actually, in effect, accepts fault, even though it's not. Are you tracking with me? So when God comes to correct you and to, to move you forward, don't, you know, your first refrain, it's not my fault, what am I doing? Stop that. Own up and say, Lord, it's squarely my, that's my class, my responsibility. This is my generation. Those are my kids. And Lord, I may have done everything I know to do, but sometimes the problem is not that we do do everything we don't know to do. It's just we don't know enough. I don't know how clearly I said that. But the reality is it's still my responsibility. You know, I can delegate anything. I can delegate this message to someone else. I can delegate the authority to someone else to do all the different things I'm responsible for in this church, but ultimately I'm responsible. Guess what? If the offering's stolen, even though I don't do it, who's responsible? Who goes to jail when all these churches get in trouble? Yeah. It may not be my fault, but it's my responsibility. My kids may not be my fault, but my what? Responsibility. Are you still with me? Yes. So he begins to say some things to all the people. But then he focuses in on the priests, the bishops, the pastors. The elders, the, uh, the, the, the board of directors, the uh, trustees, the greeters, the ushers. It may not be your fault, leader, but it's your responsibility. So don't push back saying it's not my fault, but you're responsible. Are you hearing me? It is you, O priests, who show contempt for my name. Contempt literally means to be taken lightly. It's you, old priests, that have a real casual. They're they're raising up all over the nation. I am a friend of God, church. Everyone just pals around with the living God. But no fear, no respect. Now listen, as I grew older, I became my daddy's friend. But there were many years it didn't seem like it. Are you hearing me? And I have an obligation that outranks friendship at this point in my boy's life. They need a father more than they need a friend. So I'm going to daddy them and I'm going to try to develop relationship. But I will not sacrifice my responsibility for them feeling good in my presence. Has anyone grown up in this place? He says, you show contempt for my name. Now, another Sunday, we'll preach on being God's friend. But you got to take the whole counsel together, you understand? But you ask... How have we shown contempt for your name? When confronted with their sin, their hearts don't break. They're indifferent and play dumb. How many of y'all have children? You know they're wrong. They know they're wrong. Yeah. But
2: I, who ate the cookie? Yeah. I don't know who left it.
1: There's an indifference. Yes. And it's a stubbornness in the hardness. When I preach these types of messages, like, why do you do that up in here? You know, we don't need all that. Yes, you do. You sit there and you think, this is for them. No, that's for them. But ultimately, it's for you. Are you hearing me? But you ask questions. Like, you know, you the prosecutor and I'm, you know, the one sitting in, in, in the box. I'm God. I'm the judge. I'm not to be questioned. I call for utter and absolute obedience. I, I don't need your opinion. I'm God. Are you hearing me? See, God is our friend. He is our father. But we start getting all that wrong, he will trump us, say, I'm God. Yes. <laughs> are, are you hearing me? Yes. Don't get so close that you lose respect. We get so for me, we lose respect. That's what happened when they were carrying the Ark of the Covenant. Someone tried to help God. They saw the the ark fall and they tried to help God. God don't need my help. And God struck them dead. It seemed mean, but familiarity breeds contempt. You know, I I would love to be at everybody's house every Friday, Saturday night, but I know it would damage you and ruin you. If many of you got too close, you wouldn't even listen to me no more. Because familiarity breeds contempt. and, and... we get too close sometimes. We don't take it serious. It takes a, a, a highly mature person to be around somebody and still take them seriously and still honor them even though they see the humanity and the rest of it. Are you still with me? He goes on, you place defiled food on my altar. Right now he's talking about how we praise He's talking about how we give. He's talking about how we pray. He's talking about how we conduct ourselves, how we carry ourselves. You see, then the primary thing that they did in church was offer sacrifices. So when he starts, you know, getting in the middle of the sacrifice, you got to realize the type of offense that he's bringing the proud. Because, you know, here in the modern day church, well, you know, pastor, I... I gave an hour of my time to clean the church. How dare you tell me that I left something undone? I already spent an hour in that church. And you better accept my work the way it is because I'm me. That's how we go about it. And God is saying, if it's my sacrifice, I have right to speak into it. Pastor, don't you dare tell me I need to be on time. Who do you think you are? You better be glad I'm here. I can go somewhere else. Listen, I know sometimes we run late. But when the exception becomes a rule. And then we're like, you know, we become our own little God. Lord, accept this from me, even though it smells like rotten fish. But you say, Lord, it's mine. You know, I'm wonderful. Take it, eat it. Eat it and smile, God. Am I doing good? Yeah. Bishop, don't you dare tell me we need to have an extra service. Show up sure, said, At least I came today. Don't, don't tell me I need to get involved. You? You hear me. You place defiled food on my altar. But then you get all defensive. But you ask, How have we defiled you? Pastor, I done, I, I came. How have I defiled you? God has a right to speak into the sacrifice you're offering yeah. and to say whether it's acceptable or not. That's good. That's good. The priests would, would do certain things and, and if God answered by fire, it was accepted. If they didn't answer by fire, it was not accepted. And then what certain priests would do, they'd come up with strange fire like a little match fight and say, oh, yep, God's favorite, strange fire. Now, not the people in this room, but many people operating a strange fire, mitten by their own matches and flicks. The point is, God wants us to have a holy fire lit by him. And it only can be lit when he approves of our sacrifice. You hear me? I've been saying on Sundays, and it's been bothering me, sick of church. I, I feel like I have to do a lot of teaching behind it, but it's the heart of God. Please hear my spirit. I, I keep trying to change the subject every Sunday. Lord, let me go to a teaching that will show folk who they are and, and where they need to go. It's like, uh-uh, stay right here. You know, the Bible said Jesus got so sick of the church, he threw up. He said, I'd rather you had a cold. But because you're lukewarm, I will spew you. You, I can't keep you down. You make me sick. I know that doesn't sound nice, but it's Bible, okay? And it sets you free if you listen. I don't walk into the presence of God talking about, Lord, just accept me as I am because I'm me. Without you, Lord, I'm nothing. Now, I come to the cross just as I am, and because of his grace, he receives me, but I don't stay that way. I need to be changed from glory to glory. If I'm the same today as I was yesterday, I'm backsliding because God's always moving forward and if I'm staying, I'm, I'm way back. Are you hearing me? Some of you stuck where you were 10 years ago still and God's way over here and you're like, well, I'm not backslidden. I'm still. He's like, what you mean? You haven't noticed I'm way up here? You're back there. Always so far from each other. God is calling us back to." He wants more than attendance. He wants more than some money. He wants more than a hand that might go up if it feels good. He wants hearts. And God's eyes are going through the earth looking for men and women who would give fully committed hearts. But you ask, how we defiled you. You defend yourself in the presence of God. And God answers, He said, by saying that the Lord's table is contemptible. You say, all that stuff's distasteful. Pastor preaches too long, gets too up in my business, and, and it's a distaste some of the things he preaches about. Why don't Bishop be like every other pastor? And just preach me feeling good. Just, you know, hold up that mirror. Like, you know, that wicked princess. Help me. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the wicked grandmother? What's, I don't know what my brain's, I'm on vacation today. What's the, what is it? The, the wicked stepmother. Yeah. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them all? You, of course. So we go to church and we expect the bishop, the pastor to stand up and say, you're wonderful. You're just wonderful not what you did but you wonderful (laughs) we've lost the prophetic we've lost iron sharpening iron so all of our edges are dull you need a sharp word to get in and scalpel out that cancer of unbelief and doubt you need a sharp word that pierces to dividing the bible says uh, 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 spirit and, 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 and soul You need the word of God that goes down deep and does some cutting. And after you're cutting, you need a little time of healing. You see, when you've really been around God, when we see Jesus in Revelation, there's a a sword coming out of his mouth, a sharp edge. And his word comes to cut. Not just, not to, he will never harm you. But he sure will hurt you. You hear me? God was like, no, boy, that thing, cut, cut that boil out. Hold still. I'm going to cut that boil out, son. I, you know, I love you. I'll put a little anesthesia on, make you feel okay for a minute. But it's going to hurt a little bit. And, and, and it's going to take some time to heal. Sometimes when I'm confronted with me, it hurts. But I'd rather look in the mirror of the the, the word of God that gives me perfect liberty and freedom than deceive myself. How many of y'all are interested in looking at the word of God to see who you really are? Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Then it says, This is how you defile. By, by saying the Lord's table is um, contemptible. He so said, When you bring blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? You see, who is he speaking to? Priests, right? The leaders. See, leaders do not just set goals. They set standards. Yes. Now, I could set a goal. We will be a 25,000 member church. I bet you I would have reached that goal five years ago if I didn't have standards. It's easy to gather a crowd. Yes. Disciples are a different ballgame. Yes. God did not just call us. To raise up a crowd. Or just to set goals. But to raise a standard. Are you hearing me? And that standard we're gonna reach for. I felt the rebuke of God just smack me in my chest. He's saying, son, your life's right. Son, it may not be your fault, but I'm holding you responsible.
2: Get directions, service times, and much more at gracechurchva.org. That's our time for today. Join us weekdays at this time for the teaching ministry of Dr. Derek Greer. And remember, until next time, live big.